after I applied for about a thousand jobs, I come to the I came to the realization, thousand. yeah, a thousand, one thousand. You actually applied for a thousand jobs. Ab- absolutely, I literally I took every oh. note of it. I, I you know, it, it really took a big toll. My even my mental health is well yeah. shut down for like a whole year because I just literally I felt like a, a waste of space. Like um, I felt like a waste of um, contribution to the society, and I shut down for a whole year because I spent my whole life going on this peak of you know just education 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 mm-hmm. education guarantees you a you know fantastic job but instead i ended up with education loads of you know student loan debt and not being able to secure a job black speakers are not just for black history month welcome to a series of bite-sized episodes in collaboration with the diverse speaker bureau In honour of Black History Month, we thought it would be a great time to highlight some of our amazing black speakers. And if we're serious about providing equity, we need to give real opportunities to black speakers. We need to be paying them properly and truly demonstrate representation across the board. Black speakers should not just be ruled out for Black History Month to talk about diversity, inclusion, racism or black history. Black voices should be heard equally and equity should be a year round mission. So if you want to book diverse speakers who speak on a diverse range of topics or you want to engage in diversity, equity and inclusion training or consultancy, then head to the show notes where you will find the contact details that you need. I'm Alex and Elijah, uh, probably popularly known on social media, basically as Alex and Elijah as well, or we are successors. Um, uh, my journey basically came, uh, well, started basically all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, to be precise, um, spent most of my I'll probably say half of my life, uh, basically growing grew up with my grandparents. Um, oh, wow. I was actually a teacher um, and the household, you can actually imagine everything was all academia. So it's like, if you're not you know, studying to your master's PhD level, then you're kind of not really respected. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality for me is a, a, lot, a lot of people within the family were thriving in that space, but I was really struggling. Um, all my life, literally I've struggled to read. I've struggled, you know, my brother was reading from as little as two years old. And I was still struggling at the age of seven. Even till today, I still struggle to read some certain words that are not familiar to me. Um, and uh, fast forward. Do you have dyslexia? Yeah, the dyslexia it was. Uh, well, later found out, I later found out at university level. Um, right. I was in my final year of uni, uh, about to finish. Um, and I was told already I'm going to probably get like a third class or something like that if I continue at this, at this, uh, at this phase. So um, fortunately enough for me, I was introduced to a... Uh, a group of experts basically who had to do some analysis and they said, oh, you got dyslexia. I was like, what's that? Because right. where I'm from, like, it's just either you know what you're doing or you don't know what you're doing type of thing. Um, and, you know, it was a mix mix of emotion because, um, one, I, I now understand what I'm actually up against and I can get the right support. You know, I'm privileged enough to be in the UK where there's resources in place to help people in that need. Uh, but the, the, the dark side to it is the fact that most employers don't actually like anyone on any spectrum of any kind uh, because they see automatically as a disability uh, mm-hmm. or, or weak limb to the team. Um, and um, especially when they actually hear things like, you know, your, your decks have to be set up in a certain way, your machine or your PC basically has to be set up slightly different or reconfigured in a slightly different way to have the right tools to help you with reading, dictation and stuff like that. I'm black. Okay, in most places, yeah. usually like 1% basically of the organization is usually like, you know, uh, people of color. Um, yeah. And obviously, and secondly, I'm also um, dyslexic. I'm probably still on a spectrum of other neurodivi- uh, neurodivergence basically. And 
after I applied for about a thousand jobs, I come to I came to the realization, thousand. yeah, a thousand, one thousand. You actually applied for a thousand jobs. Ab absolutely, I literally I took every oh. note of it. I, I you know it, it really took a big toll. My even my mental health as well. Yeah. I shut down for like a whole year because I just literally I felt like a, a waste of space. Like um, I felt like a waste of um, contribution to the society, and I shut down for a whole year because I've spent my whole life going on this peak of you know just education, education, education. Mm -hmm. Education guarantees you a you know fantastic job, but instead I ended up with education. Loads of you know student loan debt and not being able to secure a job. I even wrote a, a book around it, uh, but I couldn't publish it because I was broke. Broke. I had literally, <laughs> I could barely even pay my bills at the time. What, what, what was the um, book? So the, basically, the book is called "Lost Now Found: How to Find Yourself Within Thirty Days." Because um, after one year of feeling sorry for myself, it just mm. took about thirty days, and I kind of like started, you know, unlearning everything I thought I knew. Mm. and reshaping my mindset around exactly who I am, what's my purpose in this life, what I've, you know, what was, what my uh, destiny to be, basically. And the only person that can actually tell you is yourself. You have to look yourself deep in the mirror and actually say, right, these are my attributes, these are my weaknesses. How do I complement my attributes with my weaknesses? Um, mm. I think as humans, we feel like our we are our jobs or we are yes. our roles or our job titles. And yes. I think we forget to ask ourselves, what are really our values? What sort of impact do we want to have? What sort of legacy do we want to leave? And does this job role or whatever we're doing, or even the company that we work for and our colleagues, mm -hmm. do they help, do they match these values and, yes. and the impact that you want to have? I think if we all look at that a little bit further, we'd probably be a lot happier in, in our jobs because they're more in alignment with, with who we are. And that mindset piece is incredibly important, what you said, but the fact that you actually had to deal with this by yourself yeah. is, I just, yeah, I'm dumbfounded. It's, it's awful that you had to deal with that yourself. And thank God now, kind of, <laughs> we're starting to look at more how we support people with neurodiverse yeah. needs, you know, and it's not so much of a taboo. And actually, mm -hmm. there's legislation and policies around this, and you can no longer just kind of cast someone aside, because, you know, there's might, they might have particular support needs that they yeah. have. And to be a, a, a black male as yourself with uh, dyslexia, mm -hmm. intersectionality piece as well, of like, right, I've got the color of my skin, I'm from yeah. a different country as well, That's I have correct. an accent, yeah. now I've got all of my education, and I have dyslexia. It's like, it's so hard to be it up is, against that in the honestly, market. I don't know how you, how you cope. Oh. <laughs> yeah, You've uh, got some accolades as well. I mean, you've been in Forbes, You've been um, recognized as kind of like one of the most influential speakers and leaders and influences like, in tech. Yeah. Like these are amazing accolades. You're one of the diverse speaker bureau speakers. Bigger co corporations then, uh, they've got a tendency of actually trying the get it for free approach first and find whoever is actually the weakest link, if that makes sense. Um, yes. Someone is actually desperate enough to actually, you know, uh, to buy the carrot. And they'll yeah. promise you, oh, don't worry, you can come to our headquarters and have a tour around the building. I was like, how exactly is that going to, you know, had any attribute to my life? Mm. Not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so, and mm. they call it, uh, oh, do it for uh, for social proof or for um, for the experience. I'm like, I've got ten years experience public speaking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's you such know. a funny one because also then you have the the really kind of challenging piece as well around 
So they try and first of all approach professionals, either speakers or facilitators who work in that sort of space, right. realize there's a fee, which I don't really understand how they don't recognize in the first place. Wow. But then you get the the um, other people who are on the periphery mm-hmm. who agree to do it because they, they have a normal job. So they work yes. in a corporation or organization. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to be paid because they've got a job, but they know it's probably good for their role. It's good for their yeah. exposure within the company. Mm-hmm. They agree to do it for free. So Absolutely. then you're, <laughs> and you're like, well, there's professionals doing this. It's, you yeah. know, you don't need to take that responsibility. Absolutely. Um, I don't understand why people do want to do that. I think, you know, we all want to get ahead in our companies and things like that. But it's kind mm-hmm. of undermining the people who do this work professionally. Like, for example, in the last 10 years, I've actually heavily invested in my online presence. So that includes like things like, um, you know, my social media team, uh, my email marketing team, my even marketing in general. Basically, I've viewed myself as a personal brand. And that's yeah. years of investing thousands of thousands of pounds into myself. And someone just expect me to just, you know, come on, you know, um, and speak for a company that I know they, you know, a multi-million pound company. And they say, oh, we don't have a budget for that. I'm like, scratch don't, somewhere you know don't do that if you don't <laughs> have a budget for exactly that. like i think my worst experience was actually when i went back to the college where i completed my engineering um course a uh, diploma at the time yes um, i went back to that same college to do a, a, a talk around you know career and obviously and after life live after college basically and mm. i was shocked because i did it out of the kind of my heart thinking i'm giving back to the college where you know where I was made type of thing. And it, it shocked me when I found out that a, a, a fellow speaker, basically, who probably has nowhere near my level of uh, credential, basically, came in and got over a thousand pounds for the same talk that I did for free. Yeah, it's not cool, is it? It's not really- at all, it's not at all. And I, I don't think these companies also, or organizations actually realize that it's actually a community as well. We do actually speak to each other outside of, you know, most of the speaking gigs and it's just, it's mm. quite embarrassing and sometimes it's it's like beating you down as well it's like I'm like are you actually insulting my my integrity or the quality of my work or you know things like that yeah, they don't like, like that we expect everything to be given to us or handed on a plate or that yes. or taking like full ownership and that we can't share and collaborate it's not about that but when the conversation is around equity yes and you know and equality and then you're not providing equity because you're not paying speakers the same or you're not paying facilitators the same amount or you're not paying them for their work at all then you're not really doing EDI work are you because you're missing out the equity in the EDI so that piece there was something as well that Mm -hmm. I read um just while I was getting my phone that I read today which I really um like how to say no when companies ask you to speak at their Black History Month event for free and this diplomatic response, basically. So unfortunately, I'm unable to speak at your event. I very much value my time and the knowledge I bring. Often for these types of talks, I'm placed in spaces where I revisit some form of trauma. Yeah. I should be compensated for this discomfort. Mm-hmm. Moreover, you cannot celebrate black people but not enough to value their time and craft to pay them. Not, pay, not paying black experts contributes further to the issues of social and financial inequality we see today. The very Absolutely. thing you're trying to combat. Absolutely. Like, Spot how on. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to copy and paste that. Yeah. I'll, I'll... My emails. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the second edition of the Diversity Alliance and Diverse Speaker Bureau Black History Month special with inspiring Alex Jalla. The challenges he has overcome and shared very honestly with us, I hope highlights the importance of recognising and considering intersectionality in diversity and inclusion strategies.
Despite the hurdles Alex has faced along the way, he has managed to be a successful entrepreneur, author and sought-after speaker. If you'd like to book Alex, please contact the Diverse Speaker Bureau directly. And if you'd like to learn more about Alex, please head to the show notes for more details. Join us next week for another one of our bite-sized Black History Month specials. See you next time.